And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, Jersey. It feels like it's been a very long time since the Kansas City Chiefs have played a football game, especially with a whole fresh round of the playoffs just in our rear view. But yes, friends, it's finally here. Saturday, you don't even have to wait all the way until Sunday, but that has its pros and its cons. I figured this out today, guys. Uh, the, the last time the Chiefs played a football game on a Sunday was January 1st, and they wouldn't play a game until on a Sunday until January 29th if they do, in fact, beat the Jags and then advance to the, uh, to the AFC Championship game. On the other hand, Trevor Lawrence still hasn't ever lost a football game on a Saturday. And something's got to give. I I don't know if the Chiefs are going to get back to a Sunday or if Trevor Lawrence is finally, yes, this is a real stat, finally going to lose on a Saturday. But uh, one of those outcomes will come to fruition, and I would be willing to say it probably won't be about the day of the week uh, determining how this game ends up playing out. Chiefs and Jags, 3.30 Saturday. Chief playoff football is finally here. That's what we're here to talk about on this edition of Times Ours on The Athletic. I'm Joshua Briscoe, as always, joined by Nate Taylor and Seth Kaiser. Fellas, how are we feeling? We had a little Thursday, Friday today. Not a fast Friday, Nate. It was a thorough Thursday for, for Andy oh, and the guys at the podium. Oh, oh. Uh, it, it, it was. We are, you know, we are back to, you know, full-on game plans and matchups and... Uh, you know, one of my old, it's becoming an oldie, but a goodie, uh, you know, cause this, this will date us a little bit, but you know, Trevor Lawrence just had to be like, Hey man, it's just, it's just another NFL stadium, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, it was loud when we were on Saturday. I mean, like, and then, and then the best part today as we're recording this on Thursday is McCall Hardman learning that, yes, at yes. one point early in his career, John Elway was like, hey, can you get them to quiet down? I'm trying to I'm trying to call plays audible. How how was that a rule? And when did that change? Uh, like it, that, 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 yeah. that I, I can't believe that's real. Like, I, I'm right there with with McCall Hardman. Like, <laughs> I didn't know that he just found out about this. I'm just now seeing his tweet. Yes. That rules. Yes. Oh, my goodness. He just tweeted, ain't no way this is real. <laughs> Quote tweeting the, uh, the John Elway's humble request. Can you can you get them to shut up? Because it's I can't I can't think. <laughs> yeah, that's well. And that just is another nail in the coffin of the fact that John Elway is not a top 10 or even 15 all time quarterback, if we're being honest. If you're right. being generous. <laughs> it's too loud. I mean, come on. Come yeah, on. Any of the true greats ever complain about the loudness? I don't Not any of the greats that I can think of. Tom, Tom Brady would have walked into the stands and fought each fan one at a time until it was quiet in the stadium. 
<laughs> I okay. Here's my counterpoint. I think Tom Brady would have started saying, "Hey, you know what? Be louder." And then he, he probably would have won a Super Bowl. Cause, yeah, cause, I know. Because guess who's going in motion, guys? It's Julian Edelman. <laughs> Julian Edelman in motion. I'm going to put Julian Edelman in motion. And yeah, no, that's fair. He'd have, been, he'd have just shrugged, kind of pointed at Julian. They'd have figured it out. God, man, that guy won so much. Rob Gronkowski would have jogged down the sideline, caught a pass over 14 defenders, and then jogged into the end zone. We know how that would have been. But no, hey, you know what? I don't want to talk about the Patriots playoff successes on this show. That's not what we're here to do. We're here to talk about what I'm sure will be a very easygoing, you know, real just clutch performance against the, by the Chiefs against a team from the AFC South in the playoffs. I mean, what? when would that have ever gone wrong in the past? <laughs> None that I can think of, frankly. Um, I actually, I got myself not in trouble this week, but like, Got made fun of a little bit um, uh, during my 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 eight ten spot because uh, Seren was like, oh, I mean, the Chiefs are gonna win. It. They're gonna cover. They're gonna win. This is ridiculous, right? And I was like, well, I, you don't know this, but I'm legally obligated to take every opponent really seriously, or there are people that are going to hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I, man. The, the, the no losses on Saturdays thing is pretty cool for Trevor Lawrence. Crazy. I mean, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. To have never lost a game on a Saturday. That's cool. I mean, but it's also demonstrative of the fact that, you know, he was on really good teams in high school and in college. And, you know, you know, who you know, here's another thing, you know, immovable force or immovable object meets an unstoppable force. Patrick Mahomes has never lost before the AFC championship. Hmm. In the playoffs. In the playoffs, you mean. Something's got to give. Okay, I like this. Patrick Mahomes has never had a playoff run ended before the AFC Championship game. Mm -hmm. Boom. All right. Let's print Mm -hmm. (laughs) t-shirts. What was the what was the vibe out there like, Nate? For real, I mean, like, it was kind of a fun, free flow, and easy going presser day. And yeah. Nicole Hardman's having fun on Twitter, despite the fact that he's been ruled out for this game. But the good news off that is that no one else has been. Right. Um, Frank Clark limited full participant today, I believe. Right. Yes. Um, no injury yep. designation so be, for him at all. So yep. yeah, he'll, he'll um, play. Um, yeah, which other is, than the Hardman thing being strange, it, it seemed like pretty good vibes out there today, from what I could tell. Yeah, like um, let me let me circle through some of this real quick. So yeah, like, um, you know, no looking like, I mean, I guess they can designate this Friday afternoon, but it doesn't appear that Clyde was a layer or Jody Fortson are going to be available for this game either. Although they did, um, participate in all three practices this week. Um, you know, as I think I said, either Monday, like the expectation was McCole was going to sort of ramp up to be, available for Saturday's game. Um, but with another set of tests and sort of uh, conversations on Wednesday morning, the Chiefs said, well, let's give you another day. Um, as I've said before, I guess this was Tuesday. They, their first practice was Tuesday. Everything's a little wonky. But as I've said before, usually the Thursday practice is the most important practice. Um, once you really get towards like the second half of the season, Um so that meant because they're playing on Saturday that that would be Wednesday's practice. Um, from the moment Andy announced that he wasn't going to practice on Wednesday, it's like, yeah, he's not playing. Um, because then you're into the the heart of the actual game plan of actually implementing it um, in practice, sort of seeing and testing some things out. But 
the vibe was mostly businesslike. Um, it was not as uh, it was not as bouncy as I would anticipate for a postseason game. Um, but I do think much of that has to do with so much of the veteran players trying to make it abundantly clear to the second year and first year players, obviously the rookies. They're like, hey, you're going to play a lot. This is going to be very different. Let's make sure we go through every scenario possible. Um, a lot of guys were in more meetings. Uh, so um, it's going to be fascinating to, to really get this, like, um, you know, early indication of, like, hey, you know, NBC will be like, Mahomes and Kelsey and Chris Jones and Frank Clark. And a bunch of dudes who've never done this before—they <laughs> <laughs> won't say these. They won't say the second part. Um, but it is going to be fascinating to know, like you know, hey, uh, the playoffs obviously present a different challenge, a different anxiety level, um, and so to see, you know, Juju and the way he described things yesterday, or excuse me, way he. So, describe things today it's like okay well he's obviously played in postseason games he understands it and then you talk to like <laughs> um i'm just giving examples here but you talk to isaiah pacheco and he's like i'm just trying to like really make sure i do my job like i don't want to <laughs> get super duper excited i haven't played a playoff game of any caliber <laughs> since i was in a senior in high school I don't even want to be talking to y'all right now. Like, he was just... Pacheco, he's always so amped up as it is. Yes. I am genuinely concerned for both him and the first (laughs) dude he runs into on Saturday. Because that guy, like... That's one thing that consistently, like, non-Chiefs fans notice when they're watching games. They're like... Man, that guy is excited to be there. And it's like, no, he yes. really is. Like, yeah. and he just, I mean, he just, what is it? Uh, Brent Coleman phrased it that, you know, he's made out of, he's, he's made out of twisted steel and hate. <laughs> so, so like, you know, Leo Chanel, hey, hey guys, I'm, <laughs> I'm talking on behalf of the other linebackers because none of the other linebackers are in here. <laughs> it's like it's like uh oh we're gonna talk to Travis after the game okay yeah yeah, yeah. okay yeah I mean that, that's that's alright I mean I get it it's the way it works it's the way it works um the one bit of uh I think fascinating detail that I can give from the locker room that I am going to basically give second hand I was not in there I was talking to Chris Jones uh who was at the podium there are two different rooms in the locker room, shout out to, again, PJ Green from Fox 4, caught Frank Clark for a, a whiff passing by. Uh, you know, we as human beings always do the pleasantries. Hey, how you doing? How you feeling? What's up? What's new? How's your day going? Uh, PJ, as I understand, said something to the effect of, hey, man, how you doing? How you feeling? Um... Frank turned his head back slightly as he was walking, uh, of course, out of the locker room to do something else with his time. <laughs> they're busy, man. They're very busy. Uh, they're they're they are highly motivated. Uh, but and they and again, some of these guys have been through it before. Um, Frank turns to PJ just ever so slightly and says, 
Excellent. And and just keeps on moving. And then throws a smoke bomb and disappears. <laughs> so that that's the environment that this team is in. Um and even and look, even Patrick on Tuesday, I thought was very precise in his answers. Um but like yeah, man, this ain't my first time doing this. Mm-hmm. That's that, that like kind of goes to the Chiefs. They're not, and, and this this after they won the first Super Bowl, this changed a little. But since they've been back, you know, they went back to the Super Bowl the next year. They went back to the AFC Championship last year. They are the veteran playoff team. Yep, mm-hmm. they are the we've been here before. We know we know what we're doing. We, you know, like I, you know, like hearing Patrick Mahomes talk about how he's going to use his experience. I was like, whoa, like life comes at you fast and and this stuff moves very quickly. But I really do appreciate the guys that have won. It, it feels like, like, like it's maybe coming from if I were guessing here and Nate, correct me if I'm wrong. Obviously, it comes from Andy, although Andy's more of a he's consistent. He's always like this. He's always business. He lets guys be themselves, but he's always business. Whereas with this stuff. It seems like it's trickling down from Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey on one end, and then on the other end, it's Chris Jones and Frank Clark. Yep. Because those are the guys that have been, they they won the Super Bowl, and they know how close they got the next year, and then injuries, of course, derailed it. They know what happened last year. So these are all guys that have been together for a minute, and they see how thin a line there is. Yep. In the playoffs, because it's a one-off game. And that's one of the beautiful things about football, right? Like, if they ever change it to two out of three, whatever, you know, just to, like, really lengthen the season. I mean, it wouldn't be as it, it wouldn't be as incredible because that one-off nature of it means one fumble, one lineup off sides, you know, mm. one drop that you mm. should have caught, one play call that was off. It can all mean so much. One frozen field in 1995. <laughs> one? Oh, gosh. But, I mean, that that's really all it takes is a few weird things happening. And that's where it, it's kind of like, you know, and, and I, I, I've somehow swung into, like, a guy who seems like he's occasionally arguing, like, anti-analytics or something like that. And I'm not saying that for this purposes. But in one game, all the aggregate information you have doesn't matter nearly as much for purposes of one game. All the tendencies, all the percentages, all the whatever, you should still pay attention to them. Like, you know, go for it more, Andy. Andy, please, I'm begging you, go for it more often. Just please. But be that as it may, (laughs) that's because your quarterback's Patrick Mahomes, among other reasons, Um, none of which have to do with the fact that special teams makes me sweat right now. But Mm -hmm. all of it just matters so much because a weird thing that you're like, yeah, but that's a one in a hundred chance. Yep. And it just lost you a game. And now your season's over. And it seems like they get that. Like, it's kind of cool. Like, the idea that Patrick Mahomes, and even more so, you know, Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones, they've, I mean, Jones and Kelsey, they went to the playoffs before Mahomes was there. They saw what can happen. One, you know, forward progress call that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know, these things can matter. I'm like taking us down like a house of horrors of past Kansas City trauma. But it's cool to hear that. I mean, they're very just business 
And even as a guy that has criticized like Frank Clark's play commensurate with his contract, he's been decent this year. Yeah. He's been better this year than he was last year. And he's been generally healthier than he was like in 2019. Um, and I think he's, he's been better than he was in 2020 too. And so, but the, the attitude he brings to it, I think that's kind of cool. And you like to see it. Well, we're, we're dangerously close to actually talking about the, the game itself. And I, I'm just going to go ahead and push us right into that. I know that we usually like to save that for the last 45 seconds of each episode. <laughs> but given that this is a, a playoff uh, edition, it's kind of interesting because I don't know how many household names most people would be able to to list from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, that we'll we'll get into that, but you already mentioned Seth a couple things that you wrote about this week and since the last episode even. And what I think ends up being maybe not the most important element of this game, but the way the Chiefs could lose their grip on it in that way, where all of a sudden you look up after a few hours of football and your season's over. We've talked about the turnovers. We've talked about the special teams. We've talked about the self-inflicted wounds an obnoxious number of times this year out of necessity because it it has needed to be said, as a wise man once said. (laughs) And so I want to start with that with you guys because if the Chiefs can't get out of their own way, the other stuff might matter in in a keeping it close way or maybe a late comeback type of way. But if the Chiefs shoot themselves in the foot all playoff long, it, they could lose an Arrowhead or Atlanta, and it wouldn't matter to me um, because it would be a loss to either of those teams if they play this sort of messy D-minus football game that we saw in Indianapolis, for example. So when we we reevaluate where we're at here now, and um, Nate, I'll kick it to you here first if you want to kind of take like some of the stuff the coordinators talked about yesterday and, again, trying to just gauge where the team is at specifically those like inexcusable miscues. I want you to tell me if there is a reason to believe that they aren't just within this team's DNA. Um, and then Seth, you can, you can take it from there and, and why it continues to worry you, what you saw kind of going back to, to write about it a little more this week and, and how the chiefs can keep it from happening again. Yeah. Well, everyone references, last Saturday's game between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the and the Chargers. And look, there's all this information that suggests that the Chiefs are better than the Chargers. Um, as we said in the previous episode, you know, we mentioned, you know, most of the highlights um, from what occurred the first time these two teams met. But I think the thing that concerns the coaching staff a little bit, Josh, is the fact that um, they know Doug Peterson is going to be uh, quite aggressive. Um, they know that, by and large, I, I'll be fascinated to see if if Jacksonville tackles better than they did in the first matchup. Um, if they change some schemes a little bit, you know, there's always a chance because Mahomes is so excellent that they can just you know really change tendencies and try to go for it in a in a different manner of aggressiveness. So I think from the coaching staff. It was so clear that Biennemi wanted it to be, you know, abundantly clear that, uh, yes, we do not need to help the Jacksonville Jaguars beat us. Nope, nope, nope. We don't need to do that. Uh, you know, so it's all the things that are both cliched but are reasonable, which is protecting the football, making sure that you don't have penalties, that you stay consistent, um, that, you know, one of the things I asked, 
Eric was, how do you get everybody else in rhythm? Like, I just acknowledge that Mahomes is so great that in some ways it's really about getting Kadarius Tony in rhythm and Pacheco, like Seth mentioned earlier. And, you know, how do you get Juju and MVS to be, you know, fully operational to help Travis Kelsey? Because obviously Kelsey's going to probably get the most attention. Um, and, I, and I thought he didn't reveal much, guys. <laughs> so, <laughs> no. Big surprise. <laughs> But he did acknowledge, yeah, like the like the between Bienemy and and um, Matt Nagy, it's like, yeah, dog. Uh, the the fifteen play script gotta be pristine, and uh, we gotta come out guns blazing after halftime too. Like, there's really, it's just funny because obviously I love I love the stat of Trevor Lawrence not losing on Saturday. It's an insane stat. It's mm-hmm. almost insane as Chris Jones never having a sack in a postseason game. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm putting both of those together for a reason uh, for the <laughs> listeners. So, look, I just I, I know that it will not be a surprise if Jacksonville plays well. It just won't be a surprise to them. And I think that's uh, that's a football team that's not overly confident. And because of what happened last year and because of what they saw Saturday against the Chargers, it's like you have no excuses now. Um, so it's quite telling that Chris Jones was like, I don't even want to talk. I don't even want to think about the AFC Championship game, what it would mean to get another chance at it. I have to keep perspective and attention on the Jaguars. And again, that's quite, you know, surprising to hear even now, considering they were what, as you told us on, on Monday, Josh, they were, they were three and seven after, after the first meeting. So they're, they're legitimate. And, um, it's going, it's going to be cool to see, um, how much of a threat the Jaguars are, you know, in, in this rematch. It's it's hard to not when when talking about this game, like some of the initial thoughts I have on it, it's hard to not think about what happened last week. Um the 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 Jags have won a bunch of games almost in a row. I mean, you know, and in in since losing to the Chiefs, they beat a, a tough Ravens team. They got drilled by the Lions. But they beat the Titans twice. Now, I can't figure out how much to take from that because it's a division game. And the Titans, much like a few other teams, they play the Chiefs so much better than they play a lot of other teams because they manage every time to drag them into some kind of weird rock fight. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that, I, that I've th- thought about with the Chiefs a lot in a lot of their games, except against like, you know, upper tier teams, like like Buffalo, Cincinnati, et cetera, or teams that have beaten them before, that kind of thing. The Chiefs are a team that if they score early, if they get in, you know, if they get that first punch in, you know, if they if they get to like like a 14-3 or a 10-0 lead or something, you can see the effect it has on, you know, teams that aren't maybe quite at their level yet. I and you you can see it happen. It's like oh yep here we go, and it's kind of cool to see. 
I don't think that applies this week because the Jags will be able to pull on, hey, we've been here before. Yep. We, we've been down big. And and Doug Peterson's a good coach. And so that's that's one thing that stands out to me right out of the gate. The other thing that stands out to me is how much styles make fights. And just as one example, the, the Jags tackles played really well against Joey Bosa, forcing him to, you know, <laughs> the brink of madness. Hey, yeah. hey, hey, by the way, <laughs> hey, mate, if you want to hold, that keeps Trevor Lawrence upright. And if they miss it, they miss it, dog. Yeah, like, no, 100%. Next play. Yeah, next play, man. It wasn't hold. They didn't call it. What do you want, man? Um, And then they played well against Khalil Mack, too, overall. Like, they didn't let a ton of... When Lawrence was throwing, like, pick after pick after pick, which was insane, it wasn't because he was, like, under this incredible amount of pressure. Staley dialed up some good looks. He had some bad luck. It was just whatever. Their tackles performed well, and the Chargers don't rush the passer well from the interior. The the interior of the Jags' offensive line, other other than uh, um, Scherf, isn't as that that hasn't been their strong point. And the Chiefs, they rush the passer much better from the interior than they do from the edges, which is obviously a Chris Jones comment, but it's also a Mike Dana comment uh-huh. or or a George Karloftis comment when or, he lines up inside or, or any of the stunts that they run. Or Colin Saunders just winning yep. a one-on-one rep in the first matchup because two guys are occupying Chris Jones. Right. And so it, it's going to be an interesting thing to see how much a style made a fight there. Um, I, I do think Staley just got whooped. Overall, by by Peterson, and that you know, wasn't with the case a- in the first half. I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, that was rough. Like you know, I I think you know, life has a way of humbling you, and I think it's just hard for people sometimes to say, yeah, I did a bad job with that. It's not hard for me, but I've had a lot of practice, and that's helpful <laughs> to just be able to say, oh yeah, I failed. So I I don't know what to think of the Jags honestly because there's a lot of talk. Um, that they're a much better team than they were when the Chiefs played them the first time. And I'm sure that's true. I mean, they'd lost to the Broncos a few weeks earlier. Um, you know, they they were not a good team at that point. They lost to the Texans. They really hadn't found their rhythm. But at the same time, I mean, it was a weird game, and the Chiefs still beat them pretty easily. Well, and the Chiefs are better than they were then, too. Like, you guys just mentioned yeah. all those defensive linemen who suddenly, like, have really made I mean I made a name for themselves is uh, might be uh misstating it but like that there is a pass rushing unit there right now and, and that's the thing that maybe I'm overbuying on the defense from the last three weeks of the regular season right but gosh dang it if I didn't see a more aggressive unit with better tackling really good play from the young corners and a defensive line that was able to capitalize on the attention being paid to Chris Jones and or be able to demand some of their own attention so Chris Jones can get the matchups he needs to just feast. If, if I if I pretend that I'm not excited about that and that I don't think that's at least a little bit legitimate, I'd be lying to you. Like, I mm-hmm. I, I want to believe X-File style. I really do. <laughs> but I I think it's I think it's genuine. There There is growth there. Not even to mention, like, the offense finally playing one good football game <laughs> in its entirety. Um, all, all to the tune of, like, 200 yards passing for Patrick Mahomes uh, in the, against the Raiders, obviously. But I just, I 
I don't mind the idea that the Jags are better than they were then at all. I, I think that's pretty much undeniable. But if every team didn't get better from week 10 to the end of the season, their coach got fired or should have. Yeah. So are you saying that <laughs> two weeks of rest for Patrick Mahomes might might be a difference maker? I think it might be beneficial. Yeah, it, it I, I just do. Might. Yeah. <laughs> I, I also think it might be beneficial for uh, another man that I wanted to uh, mention. I, and I don't, you know, 33 years old and an extra little bye week might do some good things for one Travis Kelsey. Um, hey, and, hey, 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 hey. Uh-oh, did I say it too loud? Hey, they didn't really, they didn't really do, they didn't really use him the last game too. He's out yeah. there running around. They just they just used him for you know some formation. A couple of third up. downs. He got he got his steps down. in. He played quite a few snaps. He just you know we weren't wasn't doing on wasn't doing all that much. Hey, um, hey hey quality control coach for the Jags. Don't even look at that tape. Yeah hey same for Jarek McKinnon by the way that dude I think he had like two targets in that game. I bet <laughs> I'll take the over. In fact I have freaking the over. <laughs> like just uh, with. <laughs> on, on Kelsey in particular, uh, Bill Barnwell on ESPN Daily dropped the stat that um, I, I, I think I've got the number committed to memory at this point, where the Jags on targets to tight ends this year allowed a QBR of, I believe the number was 91.6. Yep. Now, and, that is on a scale of 0 to 100, just for everyone's bookkeeping uh, at home. Uh, Josh, did the did one of the tight ends for the, G- for the Chargers score a touchdown last week? Um, yeah, I think yeah. Gerald Everett actually yeah. kind of popped off in that game a little yeah. bit. Yeah, 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 Here's, here's my one, like, uh, galaxy brain theory on this, and it's also why I'm, I continue to, this, this show is packed to the gills with Noah Gray stock. I don't have room to buy more, but I, I would if I could. I kind of, I kind of wonder if the Jags might, and frankly, might be smart to overcompensate to try to account for Travis Kelsey. Because if he just beats you in a boring fashion and he just everything is automatic, what an unsatisfying way to go home. But if you at least you've you've at least got to try to force the Chiefs to the counterpunch, right? You've got to try to like, yeah, sure, run your offense through Juju and wait a second, how long have you guys had Canarius Tony? Oh yeah, <laughs> oh god, but it, but like, he he had a game against them last. He time. sure did, baby. VeggieTales touchdown. Um, so what do you guys what do you guys make of the of the tight end mix there and then kind of how the the Chiefs weapons are coming together at this point? Again, no McCall Hardman, he's out. We'll we'll see how that saga ends. Yeah, so you know, uh two guys who didn't play in the first match. I'm on, on the defensive side, uh the most prominent is Frank Clark, just because mm-hmm. he was that was part of his two game suspension. On offense, and adding to your point, Josh, uh Blake Bell did not play in the first game. Yep. Um, Jody Fortson had one of those weird uh, trying to do too much special teams turnovers. Oh, yeah. <sighs> but what Blake Bell does provide is January football. Hey, mm-hmm. wh- why did I resign for January? Uh, okay, we need two tight end sets. Great coach. Everybody knows what I'm doing. I can still do it. Uh, he also, obviously, I think benefits from having two weeks off. Um but yeah, just hey Denver, I'm running through the zone because I'm Blake Bell. It's <laughs> not <laughs> Blake Bell, and Patrick Mahomes fights it immediately, and it's oh, it's a touchdown. So I, I think there are going to be opportunities, Josh, for them to have two, sometimes three tight end sets, particularly in the red zone, 
or short yardage where, yeah, they can sort of manipulate. Uh, please look at Travis Kelsey. Stare at him all day. Because, you know, Blake Bell, he been through it. He, he's one of those guys that has been through it, too, um, even though he's not necessarily a big name. And then, of course, um, why is Noah Gray running a real route? Mm-hmm. He, right. ain't, he ain't ran one of those all season. It's just up until that point. <laughs> it's like when Reed used to dial up out of nowhere and still does occasionally. It's like, is that a fullback screen? Yeah. <laughs> like, and you're like, or a fullback wheel always, route. We've yeah, seen the fullback wheel route. Yeah, and it, and it always goes for like 35 yards on 30, 20. <laughs> it's, I mean, the stuff they do is really, the stuff they do is really hard because it, it forces you to ask the question, are they trying to, um, mess with me or are they just going to out Joe me? Mm-hmm. Because I mean, look guys, if Travis Kelsey is on his game, he's just better than their Joe at linebacker or safety or Hey, um, MVS caught his first touchdown pass against the Jaguars. I am not saying that he will catch a touchdown pass on Saturday, but I will say that he is important because He's going to have to force the safeties to choose. Hey, you want to cover me or Travis Kelsey? Like, that's... So, I think from a defensive standpoint, misdirection, speed, and, of course, just asking the questions because Reed has just done enough to know that, like, hey, Blake Bell might be running a real... a, a actual real route. But he might not. So, you know, where are your eyes going to be disciplined? Are you going to be in the right... Like, are you going to be in the right position or, and I like to remind people of this, sometimes you have the perfect play call on the perfect down and distance against the perfect personnel group against the perfect play caller because you know their tendencies and their history. But what if he gets outside the pocket? Mm-hmm. Do you Do you have the defense called for that second play too? And, oh my goodness. Man, where where did where did Travis go? The man's thirty three. Where where did he go? And then why is Kadarius Tony somehow running on his hands? Does like <laughs> it, does he have a portal gun? What happened? <laughs> yeah. Well, and then and Juju Smith Schuster, who low key, even though he missed multiple games, almost had a thousand yards this year, despite them seemingly somewhat intentionally not featuring him a ton in the last week. He's a guy who is. Not no one's as comfortable exploiting gaps and second plays as Travis Kelsey. Just no one is. Um, other than maybe, you know, that guy in Miami, right? And that's second Jaylen play. Jalen Waddle. Yep. <laughs> yeah, Waddle. I, Mike Gasecki. <laughs> um, but like Juju Smith Schuster is excellent against zone. He's excellent at finding gaps, and he's excellent on second plays. That's that's such a great thing to point out, Nate, is you can have the right play and it doesn't matter. And it's not because you get shook right away by Kelsey, which can happen. It's not because you just get out muscled by on a, or, you know, a good back shoulder throw, whatever to Juice Schuster. That can happen. It might be because Kadarius Tony portals somewhere. Um, that can happen. Um, MVS, he's gotten behind a lot of defenses this year. Mahomes is not going to miss that man forever down the field. This, and that's something I, I definitely want to talk more about because he could have had like 400 more yards this year. Mm-hmm. Like, um, he's I already out that. I, I, w- I was just trying to remember what it was that I was 
reading that talked about that song. Oh, and it yeah. seems like it would be a reasonable time. I'll try to figure out where that was from. In the meantime, I'd like to uh, just make you all aware of something I just found from September 14th, 2018, trying to Google and uh, and find the uh, the fullback wheel route. I couldn't even remember what who the fullback was. So I was I have searched for Burton and Sherman. I couldn't remember what year. Then I found this article on September 14th, 2018 on TheAthletic.com written by one Seth Kaiser. Anatomy of a play, Patrick Mahomes' deep touchdown pass to Anthony Sherman. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) That play got its own story. Well, it was just... No, it's beautiful. Seth, it's probably why I remember it as well as I do. Aw. And that's... I mean, not well enough to remember who caught it, but you know what I mean. Yeah, well, yeah, who would? You remember who wrote it, though. That's what's important. (laughs) (laughs) Um... But no, it's it, that that's it's always fun to remember 2018 just as we were all like holy crap. It's what is happening? Yeah. Like you 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 can never recapture that. But it, it is it's an interesting thing in terms of looking at the different ways the Chiefs can beat you. There Nate, you kind of mentioned something about, you know, you might as well try something different. You got to. I would say it's almost a, a prerequisite walking into this into this. A hundred percent. And I, here's you know what? If they really want to look to a good example, they really should look to Cincinnati, whose defensive coordinator should really be getting more run for a potential promotion because he does a great job. Um, Big Lou. They, Lou. Yeah, Big Lou. Um, hey, see, Cincy fans, I don't hate you because I'm sure so many of you are listening to this. But um, what's interesting to me is, so in the AFC Championship, everyone made a really big deal about, you know, rush three, drop eight, right? And I I thought it was somewhat wrongly, but that was kind of, you know, the slump Mahomes went through where teams were playing different. You know, we, we've covered that ground a million times. And then when they played the Chiefs this year, did he try to employ that? No, they blitzed a bunch. Not a ton. Yeah, he 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 sprinkled it just a little bit. Um, yep. Most most notably the 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 last time Orlando Brown gave up a sack. So, you know. And so no, that was a rough game for him. Now, fortunately, Orlando Brown has been pretty nails since. A lot then. of games since then. You you took that you took that in a negative way, Seth. You went ugh, and I went oh yeah. Yeah, been a lot of games since then. That was a rough game. That was when I charted every snap. He really struggled, mm-hmm. um, but he's been he's been good since then. That's awesome. Hopefully, he continues. Hopefully, he plays so well in the playoffs. He gives them an unbelievably tough decision this off season, because that's just what's best for everyone. Correct. But but they mix it up because, and I think what what Big Lou understands is there's no one thing. There's no poison pill that's going to work if you spam it against Mahomes. Not six years into his career, he's not he's not 23 anymore, right? You can't just like Bill Belichick. I'm going to line up eight dudes on the line of scrimmage every single snap, and we're going to do different zone blitzes. And I don't think you can read it. And teams tried to do more of that in 19 and 20, and Mahomes just destroyed it. There's no one thing anymore. He he had he was the best. I, I tweeted, I retweeted something uh, earlier today. He was the best quarterback in the league against cover two this year with two safeties deep. He's the best quarterback in the league against almost any look that you try individually. Your only shot is to mix it up and just try something different than what you've put on film. And I really think that's about the best you can hope for, and then just hope that your pass rush from the edges has a better game than it did in Week 10. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, 
You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, so we finished the uh, finished preview. We done? We good? I think so. Oh, okay. We, we don't only have 45 seconds left. I, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to talk about... Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Go well, ahead. I'm just trying to figure out um, what... Because the, the I've Jaguar... tried to walk you up to the precipice of your story three separate times okay, in this okay, episode, and I cannot even bully you into talking about it. Okay. I tried I to make that the, the first thing. I tried to get you to the MVS thing, and you just keep being like, Nate, you made so many great points. You're so smart and so handsome and such a great writer. And then you forget to talk about your own thing. <laughs> He's just so handsome and so nice and such a great writer. I know. That's it's what makes very, it annoying is that it's you're very right. Dist- it's very distracting. What can it's I like, what can I do in this situation? <laughs> you know, it's like it's like I'm it's like I'm trying to well, nope, not gonna make that joke. Wow, um, whoa, okay. No, All right. We're, nope. And you was, can subscribe to the athletic for the uh, special uncut version of Time Zars. <laughs> My jokes are all made within the confine of a loving marriage. Holy and bleep. Then I walked it back, it, my it friend. Made it worse. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Oh, Josh, bail me out. So I anyway. wish I would have been secretly recording the just the Zoom audio from the last like four episodes. <laughs> Late in the season, really turning our brains to pudding. 
It really has. It's been rough. I, I blame the lack of sun. I don't think I've seen the sun here in Minnesota and like since I left Florida. My flight took off <laughs> and since then it's been nothing but darkness, guys. Um, so but with regards to uh, you, you mentioned MVS. That's a great place to start. Some of the self-inflicted wounds that they've had, and we've talked about it all year, but one of the ones that's most prominent but doesn't really get talked about quite enough is MVS has played pretty well for the Chiefs. I would be shocked if he weren't on the roster next year. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of people ask, well, you know, he's an $11 million cap hit. For one, $11 million is not bad for a wide receiver in today's climate. Like Even last year's climate. Yeah, yeah, and last year's climate. Yeah, this is last not- year's climate was a little hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although, hey, to be fair, you know who looks like geniuses now? The Jags. Christian Kirk. They don't win that game without him. And by the way, he gave the Chiefs problems. He really time. did. He really yeah, he's did. A good player. He really he's a did. Good, he's a good player. Like I remember watching that game and thinking, you know what? Sixteen mil per year for that? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. No and state above- income tax, Christian. Yeah, good see for what, you, Christian. See you um, out here. But so Valdez Scanlon, I'd be shocked if he weren't on the roster next year um, because he is he's 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 a he's an average. He, he's somewhere between number two and number three receiver on your team. He can be your number two receiver and you might want to upgrade it a little bit. He's a real good number three receiver, but he has a functional skill set. We've talked about this before. Being able to get behind defenses and legitimately take the top off of them, that matters. And when you look at a lot of the plays where they took the top off defenses this year, it's him. Yep. He he keeps teams honest. That's a real thing. It's a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason. And he is their guy. Now, can Kadarius Tony do that? Maybe. We haven't seen enough of it. Right. But MVS 100% can. If he's on that boundary, you really do need another safety over there because he will run right by your corner most of the time. So the reason he hasn't put up gaudy stats and his stats have been fine. They're what you'd expect for a deep threat guy. Uh, they, they did try to pigeonhole him into some like, ah, we're going to have him box out and use that big frame. It's like, that is not who he is. And it never has been. But he tried to his credit. But him and Mahomes have not been on the same page a ton. Most of their misconnections, I would put on Mahomes. He was, he, he's, he, was he's, uh, he was wide open against the Colts, guys. Wide open. Oh yeah, wide open. And, um, and, and he he's, he is yeah, mortal. Yeah, he's mortal. And Mahomes' deep ball, at least this year, is average. It's one of the only non-elite parts of his game. And that's now now his deep ball when he's running is elite. Because everyone else's accuracy, you know, to use Madden, you know, everyone else's accuracy on the run drops to like, you know, 50. And his accuracy stays kind of the same. But while it's a great thing that your accuracy doesn't get worse when you're on the run, it's not a great thing that it's not better when you've got, you can step into it. You know what I mean by that? Mm-hmm. And and with the deep ball, he just, I think years of Tyreek Hill, he, was, he didn't have to put as much air underneath it. He doesn't throw moon balls. He can, but he doesn't. He puts, he puts it a little more on a line. I throw darts. Yeah, he throws darts. Patrick Mahomes, quote, I throw darts. He throws darts. That's such a great quote. And and he's got to work on that because MVS is a good deep threat, but he's not an otherworldly one like Tyreek Hill. And that's just going to be a little trial and error. And I'm assuming they're going to keep working on that. But one thing I've noticed is in almost every game when the Chiefs offense has really broken through, it's when he's hit MVS on one or two downfield shots. And if they start hitting those with any sort of consistency, 
Those are the those are the big plays that you sprinkle in there besides the, you know, oh, hey, Mahomes made something happen either with his legs or his arm for 30 yards. Oh, Travis did something magical. Tony shook a guy. Juju made a nice play. You know what I mean? These are the on top of that, you know, eight yards, eight yards, eight yards, eight yards, eight yards, 35 yards. Those big plays are game shifters and they haven't really connected on that. And if they can, it, it takes an it takes the best offense in the league and kicks it up yet another notch. Do you have any like thoughts or theories on kind of the misconnections and stuff, Nate? I, I know we've talked in the past about, I, I think specifically, both MVS and Justin Watson being in the frame on successful plays pretty frequently when they are mm-hmm. not the target of those. Um, and so, you know, other things that they do. But but on the specifics of kind of like, hey, these, these misconnections have been an issue and they might just be on Mahomes? Yeah, I, I know that sounds surprising, but... Um, Guys, he can have even he can have like five hundred more yards this season or this mm-hmm. you know past regular season. Um, it's pretty incredible. So, um, I'm glad you you asked about Justin Watson because without McCole Hartman, um, I know all the plays. I can run all the routes. I'm usually open. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, we'll see if Justin Watson has a moment in the in the postseason because, of course, you know he has. To date, the longest reception of the season. Um, so he matters. And I think it does at least mitigate a little bit of not having McCall Hardman. Um, but yeah, whether it's, I mean, probably his best throw of the year, in my opinion, is scrambling in the end zone and throwing a on a rope 50-yard pass to Justin Watson, who just, oh, yeah. who just unfortunately dropped it. Um, he was open. Um, he was behind the defender. Hey, man, it's ha- it's hard to throw a ball on the run 60 yards. So he threw a 50. <laughs> and, um, you know, it was really the one of the few plays that, um, you know, the receiver didn't help out the quarterback as much as the quarterback helps out the receiver. With, with MVS, um, I think because of the height, Mahomes chooses to throw more towards the air than if it would be Tyreek Hill, which is like more in line with what he normally does on deep balls. Um, that's somewhat of my theory when I look at when I look at the film. But you know, sometimes it's it's a post snap adjustment that they both have to make. Again, this also happened against the Texans on the first third down, I believe. And Mahomes just didn't adjust the same way MVS adjusted based on the covers that was being presented and the fact that the route was going to work either way. You could flatten it out or you could more angle it towards the towards a more of a corner route on the sideline. Um, you know, MVS was open, what, four times against the Broncos? And eh, it didn't happen. But you know that there's probably going to be a moment where MVS does get an opportunity because Mahomes' best throw and probably the best reception of the game against the Jaguars was in the fourth quarter where MVS essentially makes a one-handed grab near the sideline on an absolute dime of a throw where the defender has no chance. Um, So there's going to be opportunities for that to happen. Um, You know, I think MVS has a similar body type, similar-ish to Keenan Allen. It's just he not Keenan Allen. So his production really does matter 15 yards and out versus Keenan Allen getting open within 15 yards uh, for Justin Herbert. It's just a different challenge for this secondary. Um, but yeah, I, I'm just, I'm really interested to know if Mahomes worked on that 
as part of like this run up to the postseason, given that, you know, those chunk plays are even more magnified if you connect on them versus, you know, a, a 17 game sample where sometimes you hit them, sometimes you don't. And when he has, you know, early in the season, when he threw the ball deep to Justin Watson, it usually resulted in good results. And it's, I guess, a benefit that that happened against the Raiders. Um, but I think those are your deep route options. And I think Kadarius Tony is going to do a lot of jet sweep, gadget stuff, get him out in space, see if he makes the first man miss kind of guy. And then, of course, if you have Watson and MVS running deep, then that gives Travis Kelsey a lot of room to operate against what you would probably predict to be zone coverage much of the time um, for Travis Kelsey and Juju Smith-Schuster. So uh, let's just let's open it up and, and just see where your heart takes you. What are you guys most either worried about and or most looking forward to in this game? I'm not looking. We're not looking beyond Chiefs Jags because they have to win this game, and this right. is the one that's happening on Saturday. So in the specifics, of the Chiefs take the field again, you guys are excited about what? Worried about what? I'm excited about Spags. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm excited about. Spags having a previous game, a first playoff game, and about 10 days to figure out a blitz that, hey, I bet Trevor hasn't seen this. Or, hey, I bet if the protection plan is what we think it is, well, this will be a doozy. <laughs> like, um, and I'm fascinated to see how, you know, uh, Trevor Lawrence, you know, sort of responds to that. Um this is where playoff experience sort of, you know, can matter, can really matter. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, Spags didn't have to blitz a ton against the Raiders. Um, he he had one really nice blitz right before halftime against the Broncos with with you know Trick McDuffie blitzing off the off the nickel slot area. But outside of that, he ain't really been showing much uh, that I would say is exotic, other than hey, Justin Reed, if you wanna if you wanna come down, that's fine. And then based on, hey, if it's, hey, turned his back to you on play action, go ahead and sack him. <laughs> like, like that was an easy sack for just Justin Reed. Um, I'm not saying that that's like super duper exotic, but I am interested to see like, we all know who he is. He's Spags. He wants the blitz. Seth, are you here for the, the, the Spags hype train? I am here for it, but it's not the thing I'm the most excited about. And I assume we're taking out the obvious here, right? Like playoff Mahomes, that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, because okay. there's some stuff we're expecting to to see at least to some extent, right? Yeah, and and that I will include that as just as an aside because I don't want to marginalize greatness. Playoff Mahomes, we've all maybe forgotten a little bit because he had a bad half of football against Cincy. He did. Before that, he's been unbelievable in the playoffs, the best anyone's ever been in the playoffs. And you can miss me with any arguments out of ever. Hey, Tom Brady's the goat. He's got seven. Yeah, I know. Yeah, no, his defenses were great during that first run, and. Uh, yeah, they, he's, he's great. Won the rings. Mahomes moves the ball better than anyone in the playoffs and has. Uh, so I'm excited for that, obviously. Excited for Kelsey, Chris Jones, etc. I'm most curious, maybe I would say. Maybe curious. Maybe excited is the wrong way. Maybe more curious. I want to see if the course of an entire season, and then I guess a half season for one guy, has led to Andy Reid saying, man, I could think of some stuff to do with Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore. Mm. Mm. Because I, I like Justin Watson just fine. Um, I like MVS better. Um, but two of their most kind of explosive type guys, 
one of whom is, you know, is playing a role, but it's a muted one for more. Well, you know, year two is kind of the thing for Andy Reid rookies. I get it. It's been a little frustrating for me, but I get it. And then obviously Kadarius Tony, you know, he he was his role was starting to really expand. He got hurt, and they haven't really brought him out of like the you know the the niche stuff so far. And but the few times they have run him down the field, boy, he's done some stuff. Mm-hmm. So I I'm excited to see what they've decided to do because those are your two most obvious answers. If you've got teams like, nope, we're going to run a bunch of man coverage. Well, then you want guys, you know, you're just going to, it would be really ironic if someone just spammed mesh against Doug Peterson because mm. he runs it like 400 times a game. It would be, if you're going to have a bunch of, you know, man coverage type stuff, you know, depending on what they decide to do, Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony make sense to be on the field more than Justin Watson and even in a lot of ways MVS. You and saying, I you saying they're gonna run cover three, dog? That's what you saying? I, I, that's what you saying? You saying they're gonna run cover three? I can see it. I don't, I don't know. But so that that's something I'm excited to see, just to see what Reed has done, because really, obviously you miss Tyreek Hill. You can't replace him. One might argue this is by far. When you include Pacheco, you know, you include McKinnon, you include the offensive line, include the depth at receiver they have now, and Kelsey still being who he is, you could argue this is the most talented the offense has ever been Mm. in the Mahomes era, and the deepest by far. I don't know. I I don't know, Seth. I don't know. (laughs) I just want, I'm just curious to see if there's another gear there that we've been waiting for. I would like to remind Seth that they had uh, peak form Travis Kelsey. Yeah. Um, peak form Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, better than any receiver on the roster at the time, Sammy Watkins, until right. proven otherwise. Um, a elite right tackle, a left tackle that people still believe is, you know, still hold fondly over the current left tackle. Um and Damian Williams was that dude. I'm for definitely a, willing to give you deep, Seth, that I'm, I'm not willing to give you most talented, I don't think. <laughs> I mean, this is this is a great question to ask because this is the litmus test, right? Because, um, yeah, that, that 18 team had Mitch Morse at center still. Yep. And that obviously matters a lot to me. Um, <laughs> no, this is an interesting question to kind of go through. It is kind of interesting. Because Sammy makes stuff. I would argue that Juju right now is as good as Sammy in 2018. I'd argue that. But then that puts you in a position of Tyree Kill against Justin every Watson. other receiver. Yeah. yeah. And that's, right. <laughs> that's tough. That's tough. So that's fair. That 2018 squad, because obviously, you know, you had Kareem Hunt. Um, and that, you know, he's a really, really good running back. So how about this? Arguably, probably the most deep that it's been and as good as anything they've had since that 2018 squad. How's that? Is that fair? With a better quarterback, which is... With a better quarterback. the most, like... Again, it's just... it's uh, We just have to remind people that he is, he is much better now than he was then. And he was darn good then. Yeah, I, I the the like second gear or another gear, whatever gear they're in thing. I do think there's something to that is, hey, is there going to be another gear? And what I what I have realized about myself 
is that I generally try to be at least somewhat level-headed in my optimism or pessimism or various takes because usually usually somewhere in the middle is kind of where the truth ends up being. But I have no interest in trying to tamp down expectations on Kadarius Tony, And I just think that Andy Reid could literally like go to work every day in the facility and think, I'm not going to make today a Kadarius Tony day. I'm not going to do it. He just got here. He doesn't know the <laughs> offense. We don't know what he knows how to read these. I'm not doing it today. And he works and drives home and then wakes up in a cold sweat one of the two hours a night he sleeps. And he has an idea that he has to write down for Kadarius Tony. Like that is basically the fiction I have written that based on a true story, I imagine, because I just I just want to see. Kadarius Tony catch passes from Patrick Mahomes all the way to a Super Bowl, just completely breaking people's brains because I think the meltdown people would have when they see what I think Kadarius Tony can do if he's healthy in this offense. I just think it would be so funny. It would be like the reaction um, uh, when people were like, "You can't let them have Clyde Edwards-Helaire. This is un- this is unfair for the offense." Except for this time, it'd be for like a good football player that will make a difference. Like I think that's going to be incredible. Um. I think you should let him sit in it for a minute, Nate. Okay. <laughs> I appreciated that Nate jumped in because I knew you weren't going to. <laughs> I and I, you know what? I'd like to formally, I'd like to formally tweak that final dismount, and I should just say, except for this time, it's with a player who will make a difference. <sighs> well, Fair. I'm softening it. I don't want to oh, say Clyde okay. Edwards Lair is not a good football that's, player. I'm well, saying he's not a he's not a needle moving football player. That, that's that's right. fair. And let's 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 be real. If Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was even, and we we know I like Clyde, I like his skill set. You uh, loved I've the draft pick at the time, but uh, oh Lord, you thought um, they should have traded up to get him. <laughs> so this is me not taking the bait. Um, even if Clyde had been as good as Isaiah Pacheco has been, yeah, the dialogue the around him would be a little different. Definitely, and st- and also, hey, the styles of it all, yep, are a it factor. It, I. Yeah legitimately my like real quick version of uh thing I'm excited about Dang, thing I'm worried about fire today. Jeez. I, what, what happened? Yeah. Donatel, man. What's going on, Nate? What is going on in your world? What's happening? Seth, are you confused? Don, Ed, Ed Donatel got fired. He's no longer the defensive coordinator of the Minnesota Vikings. I would like, to Oh, ask, who's the best player on the Vikings? Not named, you know, the guy they just signed last off season, but Hey, you know, Scheme is scheme, guys. Uh, Patrick Peterson, you got to get more out of him at this age. I mean, how is he? How is he not out there looking twenty four years old? Oh, he's still good, and he's still a million years old. Yeah, that one's interesting. Yeah, um, sorry. The, the coordinator. Just, no, no. I'm every I'm coordinator's gotten fired today. A lot uh, of fired coordinators. Not everybody, but man, a lot. A lot of a lot. Pretty good ones, but you know, situation forces. Um, well, and it's the it's the thing. It's the thing that, yeah, it's, it's what you can do to shake things up. Like, it's yep. the easy solution to we're going to try to give you a better performance next year. Because it would be way it would be weird for the Vikings to tweet out that they were mutually parting ways with their entire defensive roster. Like, that would take a lot harder to do. Yeah, that's a little harder to do. Yep. So. Um, um, sorry. Yeah, sorry. What, what, to, to, no, that's okay. I interrupted you back before or Seth interrupted you because he didn't want me to have the reprieve of someone else oh, talking yes. after I sideswipe Clyde. Yes. Here, here's what I could say from a style <laughs> standpoint. Um, this is not a um, anomaly, but this is just an example. You are always tweaking, modifying, obviously as you have a 
cohesive, uh, you know, sort of continuity from a coaching staff and player personnel department where you say, okay, it's a violent sport. So we just have to take that into account on its own. Um, it's a position where you take a lot of punishment. What if we found a player who could dole out as much punishment as is going to be inflicted on mm. said player at position? Mm-hmm. What if that position is not as valuable as it used to be, but we need to identify traits in a approach where one like player A led to us getting player B and it's not totally player A's fault it's just you're always having to figure out what is another way to go about this that is not totally replicable but you're more informed as to why the second option might be perhaps more serviceable than the first. Um, And of course, sometimes the really good teams get good production out of both players. So that's just... Chiefs fans have to understand that obviously you can never change that they took Clyde edwards where they did in the draft. But if you don't take him, I'm not sure they're more in line to go be attracted to someone like Isaiah Pacheco versus the vast majority of teams. Sometimes you got to date the wrong person first. Nice. The, the issue is for the Chiefs so is that they just, this. they, 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 they so proposed, they, they bought a pretty expensive ring for that person. And they were like, let's do it, babe. I believe. And then, and then two years later, like, this is not the style that I was looking for. <laughs> <sighs> But anyway, <laughs> this is why you tune in, guys. For I can't the, yeah. believe this for is a the, podcast preview episode at the hour mark. We're talking about the 32nd overall pick in the, the 2020, 2020 draft. draft. This, really, this has been times ours as hell. <laughs> oh, oh, man, I sure was hoping that my wife had texted me and that I'm running late. Oh, I am running late, but she hasn't texted me yet. Because then we could have really completed that circle. Oh. I bet I bet there's a chance she uh, she gets to you before the predictions are done. What do you guys think actually happens? <laughs> All uh, right. I said Chiefs 31, Jaguars 26. Uh, that doesn't um, sound relaxing at all. No. <laughs> Why would it be? It's the playoffs. No, oh. it doesn't. Uh, hey, you know. I just want to remind people, if it's tense midway through the third quarter, guess what? That's exactly what the San Francisco 49ers had last week. Like, don't forget that. Like, if it's tense in the third quarter, or even the fourth, guess what? It's the playoffs! (laughs) It's it's supposed to be hard. Now, of course, that talent became overwhelming. And that might happen, too, with the Chiefs and the Jaguars. But, hey, those first... 35 to 45 minutes. Hey, it's going to be a it's going to be a real battle. But I, I I said 31 because the Chiefs obviously led the league in scoring at 29 points. I'll give them a playoff mini bump um considering uh what they are capable of with obviously time at their disposal. 
Uh, the Jaguars are legitimate. They are a better team now than they were in the first matchup. So 26 with Doug Peterson maybe going for two and not converting or um, them trying to make the game a little bit more chaotic uh, from an aggressive standpoint. I think they can get to 26 versus maybe the 21-23 cap that you might in a regular season game. I'm going to go 30-20. to 20. I'm going to say it's not super chill. I would have said 31, I think, but you said it, and that felt like cheating. Um, I want to say they score four touchdowns and settle for one field goal, but the math that I'm actually doing is they probably settle for one because Andy Reid in the in the third quarter of a playoff game is going to say, we don't need to be aggressive here yet. I mean, in the Super Bowl, maybe, but I I think the Chiefs are better by a stride. And so I'm there. I think it's eight and a half still on the line right now. Correct. That feels about right. Um but that's uh, I'll I'll take the Chiefs by ten, Seth. I'll also take the Chiefs by ten. I'm going to do more. I think thirty four twenty four. I'm believing and, in the defense explicitly. I don't know why I feel the need, but that's just where I'm at right now. Yeah, I I I'm I'm hesitant because I think Peterson's going to dial up a couple times where we're going to be like, how in the world is that guy so open? Like, yeah. and so I think I think there's at least one big touchdown like that. I, uh, I I I buy that. I'm saying that the Chiefs are going to be so good defensively around it, it's not even going to stress us out. That's not true. We, the one thing we would all put the house on is that there will be stressful moments in this football game. We'll see if that in, it consists of a four-quarter stressful football game. Maybe with the Jags, it'll just be a half. Would prefer it be the first half rather than the second, honestly, if I get to choose. Uh, but that will all unfold on Saturday. And yes, of course, you can expect coverage of that uh, all weekend long from The Athletic. Nate's stuff all up on theathletic.com slash times ours. If you're not subscribed yet, you need to get subscribed before the playoffs. The Chiefs at least kick off theathletic.com slash times ours. You can read more from Seth over on the Chief in the North newsletter as well, mnchiefsfan.substack.com. Seth, final thoughts? Nate, get us out of here. Boom, ready, break, playoff time. Every team is a team to be taken seriously. I expect the Chiefs to have a good fight against a well-coached, talented Jaguars team. Never forget, kids, the game begins inside the 20. Um, let's not forget that they did Arctic Circle in front of the Raiders in the red zone. Let's not forget that Travis Kelsey threw a touchdown pass in the red zone last year. Um, we don't know how many of those plays happened, and Chiefs quietly haven't been great in the red zone on defense. Um, obviously, the margins are slimmer, but when the Chiefs get in the red zone, that's when the game really begins. <laughs>